Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Sam Page and Jennifer Rucka. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And it's great to have the whole Tuesday cast back again because we, we haven't been like, you know, as the full crew for like a month, something like that. It's It's been a while. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, so glad, uh, Jennifer, to have you back and Sam and all of us in one place once again with our guest today, who is, he, he's a guy who has initials I like, WT. I know those initials well. And he goes by that was as his first name. WT Hamilton is his name. And, uh, he's, uh, maybe a little bit different from some of our guests in that he's just here to help. That's it. Yeah. And we're going to hear what kind of help he has in mind. He basically, he, he likes to help people in entrepreneurial roles, but I, I kind of have a suspicion, Jennifer, that it, you know, it's going to translate to other stuff. He told us before we got going, he doesn't get into other stuff, but I, I bet you it kind of translates to other stuff, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah. I mean, that's the way these principles tend to work. Okay. So anyway, WT, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited to, to be here and chat with you guys. I'm looking forward to it. Give, give us a little bit. Give us a little bit of your background. Just, you know, tell us uh, how you got to where you are. So I, uh, I really, I got into writing from, I was a production manager at a, in a company and in 2009, the stock market crashed, the company went bankrupt and all of a sudden I found myself without a, a stable income mm-hmm. and I wasn't in control. I realized I wasn't in control of my financial future or my career. And I said, well, if I'm not in control, who is in control? <laughs> and who should be in control. And that's when, at that point, my mom had introduced me to uh, the book, The Secret, which I'm a skeptic at heart, so she didn't think I would like it. But when I read it and I kind of reflected on my journey so far, it's like, oh, there's a, there's a reason for, you know, when you're focusing on something and you want to do something, you decide to do it. There's, there's actually a thing. This is not just a, a fluke or a coincidence. It's actually a thing. So I started like learning more about that and writing chapters for my kids, just um, kind of like a journal. And then my mom said to to me one day that, because she was doing a, a Law of Attraction blog, and she said to me that she was thinking about writing a book. And I said, well, I've been writing some chapters for the kids. You know, take a look at them, see if any of them will work for your book. And so that became half half the book. And so we uh, we, so we self-published a book together, well, through, through Balboa Press. But it was our, our first book that we wrote separately, but it really, so she, she talks about the spiritual side and I talk about the practical, you know, uh, focused thought side of how to use law of attraction and, and that type of thing. So that's kind of how I got into all of, all of the things that I'm doing now. It's interesting. I have a similar story in that, uh, I also had, a, a career crisis as a result of the 2008 financial crisis in that my entire business got wiped out and my wife's business at the time also got wiped out. So we lost our entire income in one swoop. And so when, when you were talking about how you lost your job because of the, the crash that came the following year, I thought, well, yeah, that sounds real familiar. And then you talked about hearing about the secret. I said, well, yeah, that sounds familiar too. You know, it, it just kind of gelled together. So I, I have a feeling that happened to a lot of people. A lot of people had similar kinds of experiences, but it's always fun to talk to somebody else who had it. Yeah. You don't feel so alone. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's true. Now I, I have to ask you though, when I, like you said, you were a skeptic and I was skeptical too. Uh, when I read it, actually not all of it made sense to me. It seems to have made sense to you. Is that true? Yeah. So my journey up until that point, I, I had done music, so I, I decided one day I'm going to be a, a rapper and uh, got my friends to put together a group. And we went and we we performed all over uh, Southern Ontario. I'm from Canada, so we performed all over Southern Ontario. And and all of a sudden, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing these things. So when I was reflecting, it's like, oh, every time I decide I want to do something, I figure out a way to do it. But I didn't realize it was a thing. But I'm, I wasn't spiritual, so it wasn't like attached to the spirituality of it. So I realized, oh, this is a, a pattern of focusing on what you want to do and then taking some, you know, motivated, inspired action to actually make it become something more than just a, a thought in your head. Mm, yeah. So that, that's really resonated. That part resonated with me. The, the other part that took me a long, long while to, to really get into that other part. And I still do little bits and pieces of that, the other part. But I'm more open to that now than I, I was at the beginning. 
Jennifer, did I ever ask you the same question? I mean, did, did you get exposed to the secret and have that uh, influence you in any way? I, I can't remember if that was part of your story. I know, but I know about the secret. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the the whole movie, but um, but you know, right? I I guess I I kind of watched what originated from that years before, right? So that was all mm-hmm. with Marissa and Jay Z Knight, and you know, Joe Dispenza. You know, he started his whole thing because of Jay Z Knight, right? And so he mm-hmm. used to move and go to all the different uh shows with her and everything because she was the one that really kind of got the ball rolling with this stuff i think that was about 2004 2005 when i started getting interested in that and then secret all of a sudden just took off after that years later you know right but yeah but i did watch a little bit of the secret so more of a parallel path and direct influence but Yeah. yeah the secret is Basically the same thing, isn't it? Just kind of like focusing in on positive things and going with it, law of attraction. Yeah, yeah. The the, the premise of the movie and of the book is here's how the law of attraction works and, and here's what it is that you need to leverage if you want to make changes in your life. So, yeah, right. that's, that's the general idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, do you like, do you find that um, when you do that, like, because I know in the law of attraction, it says you have to gain momentum. But you have to, that's something that you have to actually stay focused in on. And I always wondered, like, you know, how many people really sustain that kind of momentum? It's a great question. Uh, what Louis D'Souza, who does the Monday shows with me, has often said that humans today have the worst concentration levels of anybody in, in history, which I think is probably an exaggeration. But it's yeah. his way of saying, you know, that's why people are having so much trouble. They can't maintain their focus. Yeah. Yeah. And also, too, like with the law of attraction, there was a guy that interviewed me not too long ago on a podcast, too, and he wrote a book about the law of attraction. And uh, so with that momentum, though, I explained to him what the reason I believe that people can't sustain that momentum is because they actually have the, the negative reels that are following mm-hmm. that has much more concentrated layers pushing them forward yeah. than the rest of it. So it's like you get a little bit ahead and then you collapse. And so until you actually resolve the pain from the past, it'll just dictate and override who you are today eventually anyways. Yeah, well, we respond as humans to to shiny objects and and, uh, dramatic stuff. And and anything that's negative is going to be dramatic. And there's usually something shiny attached to it. So it's it's pretty easy to distract us, I think. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. 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 Sam, did I, did I ever ask you about uh, your experience with the secret? I, I don't think I ever really picked that up from you either. Yeah, no, I don't believe so. And yeah, it was one of my first exposures to law of attraction. And so I got, and I never really thought of it before, but when I was hearing about it, like any LOA and that for the first time, I just like didn't question it at all. It really felt like mm. this resonated as truth right away but i think also the way the circle was presented because i saw it in the movie form and they have like you know a lot of like kind of feel feel goody music tracks and stuff and everyone's very pleasant and smiling and stuff so i think that helps also but it was a good it was a good foundation and i realized that it wasn't as simple or largely for what jennifer was saying that there's like you know the negative reels that play and like like years of negative conditioning and limiting beliefs and all that that get in the way but it was a good foundation and a good start for sure okay well this has been a good foundation here to uh what WT <laughs> was talking about so WT, let's get back to what uh what you've been doing since then uh because you wrote the book with your mom and self-published that and then your career kind of took a new direction tell us about that direction yeah, so um, after writing a book, I mean, the first thing you got to do is start to promote it. So to promote it, you got to get out in front of people. And mm. when you write books, it's because you don't want to be in front of people. So all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, I had to start to learn how to speak uh, in front of people, which I hated. And it was like the, the last thing that I ever wanted to do was speak, be on camera, and you know, do podcast interviews, all this type of thing. So I had to learn how to do that. I had to go to Toastmasters and start learning this skill, challenging myself and deciding, okay, this is a personal impossible that I want to achieve. Now, what are the steps I got to do to achieve it? And every time that I would focus on, so I think a lot of times why people don't achieve the things they want to is because they look at this big thing they want to do and they, they decide they want to be up here at this level. And like, you got to start at the first level, not the fifth level. And 
learn to build up your skills to get to the fifth level or, or, or beyond. So I did that journey of learning and taking, you know, my bumps and bruises, making mistakes and, you know, people laughing at me. I laughed with them so that it didn't feel so bad, but <laughs> doing all of that stuff and really getting better and, and more comfortable. And I, ha- I had a mentor and my, my mentor, his name is Jim Lutz. And he said to me, uh, you know, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. How can you be comfortable being uncomfortable? He said, no, you have to feel comfortable even if you make mistakes, even if uh, you make a fool of yourself because nobody's going to really remember you. You're not that memorable. I said, yeah, that's true. So I, I kept that in my head and I really focused on, okay, don't worry about making mistakes. That's part of growing. You got to be the student first. You can't start out as the expert or you'll, you'll never learn anything. Mm-hmm. So treating it as a one step of, at a time journey is really what you're talking about there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I kind of imagine too, that when you're working with your, your clients and, and people you're trying to help out, that that's a major part of what you're teaching them. Yeah, it is. Cause a lot of people, they'll beat themselves up. And it, I think that's what you guys were talking about with the negativity mm-hmm. is that you beat yourself up because you're not that good at something. It's like, but you were never good at anything when you first started. <laughs> What, except for eating and, and sleeping, what else were you good at? <laughs> they didn't have to actually try and put some effort into it. But when you put it in that perspective, you realize, okay, I can get better at anything, but I, I'm not going to start out really good at anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam knows all about that. He, he's a um, a pianist, and right. he, he plays all of his piano uh, extemporaneously. He just kind of makes it up as he goes along. And that, that didn't just happen out of the box, right, Sam? I mean, you had to yeah. develop to that. Yeah, no, there was a good foundation of like 12 plus years of just piano lessons and learning music in general and getting to that point where I can just go and such. <laughs> do, do you recall what it was like when you took your first piano lesson? That's a good question. Not anything specifically. I was five and yeah, I don't remember much. I'll have to kind of see if I can... Recall more of that. That'll take some focus. I, I can remember not so much necessarily the first one, but I can remember the first few and, and remember the experience. I, I had a really good first teacher. She was very, very patient and good with, with small children and so forth. Oh, and, that's and I, I, yeah, it is. And, and the one thing I remember was picking out some really, really simple tune with her help on the piano. I think it was like a three note tune. And after I was done playing it, I kind of sat back and marveled, like, how did I do that? Mm-hmm. There, it was, there was almost a disconnect going on. Like, it seemed impossible that I, I could actually do that, but I could, and, and there was, like, a joy attached to it. Mm-hmm. I think that ties into what WT was talking about. When, when you were talking about taking those incremental steps, it's also about finding the little pieces of joy along the way. That, that's what I'm talking about there, that, mm-hmm. you know, the, those little, the, the little uh, adrenaline, you know, uh, injections that you get just by having a gain here, an improvement there, that sort of thing. Yeah, like shining a spotlight on every time you do something good, something right. supportive for yourself, rather than shining the light on what we're used to doing, which is all the wrong stuff, all the bad stuff, and then getting stuck in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How yeah. like what's what is like? Because you work with clients, right, mm-hmm. Wayne? Like you're yeah. so. What, what is, what does that procedure look like? Like, what would somebody call you up to ask? Like, how would they hire your services? So usually, because I, I do a lot of stuff on social media. Okay. And, and so people reach out to me and either it's, you know, I'm speaking somewhere or, or it's a video I made or whatever. And they're, they'll always ask, like, how do you do that? You know, how, how can I do what you're doing? Mm. And then I'll do a video call with them and see what it is they're actually trying to do. And then uh, if I can solve their problem in that call, I will. If they want to go deeper, then, then they, I give them an opportunity to, you know, um, do some one-on-one coaching or to take some of my courses. But really it's about, so I, I help people solve problems. And a lot of what, what I do is help them solve the problem faster than uh, they could themselves. Cause when you're trying to solve it yourself, sometimes it's very frustrating and cause you're in it. You can't really see from that bird's eye view of the different things that you could do. Like one time I was at an event and I was talking to these uh, two teenagers and they were saying that they were doing like a live stream every Tuesday on uh, Instagram, but they had another crowd that they wanted to, to do for, for Facebook. 
but they wanted to do it at the same time and they couldn't figure it out. And they said they were trying to figure it out. And I said, well, why don't you just use two phones? <laughs> There's and, an idea. <laughs> and they were blown away. They're like, holy smokes. We've been going on the internet. We've been trying to f- figure this thing out for how to get both things on the same, uh, both apps open at the same time. And I said, yeah, just use the two phones. So just that solution that set them off. They didn't need any more help. Other times, you know, I'll, I'll talk to people and then they'll actually want to go deeper into, okay, so how do I start to build this, this as a strategy and, and make this work, you know, for whatever it is I'm doing. Usually it's, it's, it's an entrepreneur thing, either a, a product or service that they want to, uh, they want to get out into the world. When you're talking to somebody for the first time, I, I imagine just like you know, when we were talking earlier with uh, the movie The Secret, we were skeptical when we first saw the movie. And I imagine that there's going to be skepticism among people who approach you. I'm sure Jennifer's also a coach. So probably the same thing happens there. Um, so when you're talking to somebody and, and trying to help them to decide whether or not you're really the person to work with, what are some of the things that you tell them to to let them know that you really do know what you're talking about? I mean, how, how, how do you say, I really do know how to help somebody with their business? What, what, what are your credentials? I don't know. What's the best way to say that question? <laughs> so the first thing I tell them is like, you're not going to make a million dollars in 90 days. So if you're looking for a 90 day solution, I'm not the guy for you. Like, mm. This this is something you're going to build and you're going to build like slowly because each strategy takes, you know, a month usually to really put into place and really get going onto autopilot before you start the next strategy. So it's not something that you're going to solve all your problems. Like if you, took 10 years to build up a mountain of debt. You're not going to solve that in 90 days taking one of my programs. Somebody else might offer that and that might work for, for, for them. But if, if you really want results, the way I know how to do it is to, to do baby steps, action steps. Um, I talk about, you know, one of the businesses that I, I invested in, I lost like $25,000 and that thing went south within four months because I had investors. So I told them like, I learned a lot about, what, what red flags to watch for when, when investors with brick and mortar, you know, I have a lot of experience with that. I have experience with launching like merch lines that didn't work with a partner and then, you know, launching a new merch line that worked better. So it's just, it depends on what they're trying to do. You know, I, I do the books. I sell a lot of books. So I have a lot of experience in that. Um, but it's really just having realistic expectations, first of all, of what you're looking for. And then also, you know, you're going to do the work. I'm going to show you what to do, but I'm not going to hold your hand through everything. You have to, to do the work. And if you don't do the work, it's going to be really hard to get the results. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting too, Wayne. I do monthly memberships with people just, and I, and I do energy work. So I do a form of distant healing. It's just simply I'm coming in as a conduit to stall emotional and now physical problems, issues that people are coming to me with. Yeah. And the reason that I do monthly memberships is like you're saying, you know, it takes baby steps and it doesn't just happen so quickly. And the reason that, that I feel that that happens is because what happens is, is initially this is our familiar. Our familiar is to, let's say somebody comes to me for anxiety. That is their familiar. So that is literally woven, not just into a neural pathway, but into an entire neural network in their brain. And so to make one adjustment, like you could give them one piece of advice but it'll come on in one ear and out the other because they're used to skiing that same neural pathway in their brain over and over again, right? They're just naturally, it's their reflex. They don't even have to think about it anymore. But when I work on them over the course of a month to two months to three months and sometimes longer, I explain to them, this is because we're carving out new neural pathways in the brain for this to become your familiar. So by the time that we're finished, this is your normal. This is what you're going to fall back on all the time. It's going to be your reflex instead of something that you're like, well, I don't know. You're falling back into where you were before. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, that monthly monthly membership fee is so important and people just don't realize why until you actually start getting into it and, and, and really taking, like you said, baby steps. That's what yeah. they are. Yeah. These steps that become something profound eventually. Yeah. It's like subtle little adjustments that become this aha, like, wow. And I always tell people, like, take a video of yourself when we first get started. Not for me. And, and act as, as completely, uh, be as vulnerable as you can, explaining everything that you're struggling with. 
so that by the time we're wrapping up with what we've started together, you know, you can go back and look at that video, you know, and, and of course, along the way, keep your journal of notes for your progress that's happening, those subtle little adjustments day by day. What was it that you noticed? Something so subtle, but you better write it down because we tend to act like goldfish and forget every three seconds. So if you don't write <laughs> down that subtle little thing in the morning, by the end of the day, poof, it's gone. And then when I say to you, so how'd the week go? You go, well, nothing really happened until we start to walk through it. Mm. Right. So again, it's so important to, to document your progress as you're going along the way. But that video I always find is really interesting because when people look at that video of themselves talking to themselves at the end of it, they can really see how far they have come. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's really powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how do you? Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, you go. No, no, no. no. Go ahead. Go, 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 go. go. <laughs> you got arm wrestle. <laughs> I was going to say, so before you wrote the book, were you doing what you're doing now? Or did you write the book and then get into coaching people and public speaking? No. So I wrote the book first. So really, the book was helping me to um, document what was working and what wasn't working in the law of attraction. Because okay. part of the, the secret I think I call it a commercial for the law of attraction, but it doesn't really show you how to actually use the law of attraction and all the, the pitfalls. Okay. So, so I was really documenting what actually works when you focus your mind on something and mm -hmm. what things don't work or what things don't work right now because you don't know enough about, uh, you know, you haven't solved enough problems yet to be able to get to the next level of, you know, manifesting your goals and dreams. Okay. And I think. Give, give us a feeling of, of some of those, uh, things that you identified. What, what were, what, what did you put into which column? So, so like, um, I would look at, I, I watch a lot of sports. So I watch football and I would look at, okay, how does a, the worst team go from the worst to the, the best? And they don't change everything all at the same time. And so when you're looking at, you know, changing yourself, you don't change everything. So what are you focusing on first? For me, it was money. So I started looking at, okay, what can I do to get my money right to bring more, a better relationship with money and really make it so that money doesn't have so much power over what I'm doing. So it's not the most important thing because I, I started focusing on what is it that I can do to kind of generate more money. And one of the things I found was, you know, when you go to buy stuff, only buy what you need. Don't buy because something's on sale. Don't buy the extra things. And then that money that you would have spent, put it aside somewhere and then go visit it and touch it and, and look at it. And you start to feel good about, okay, I have, you know, five extra bucks. I have 10 extra bucks. By the end of the month, maybe you got 20 extra dollars that you're leafing through. And by doing that over a few months, I found that I started to just feel better about money and, and started to get rid of that, that attachment of, I can't do anything if I don't have any money because now, I was able to start seeing, I could turn the, the whole feeling around of, of having money. So for me, like they talked about that in the, uh, the law of attraction, but it, it didn't, doing it physically was what really worked for me. So not just having a concept, but yeah, how do I actually apply this? And how do I prove to myself that it's working? What is my, my actual evidence that I can see in the physical, not just in the mental, but what's the physical? So that that gives me fuel to keep keep uh, doing the process. You're, you're reminding me of something uh, during the pandemic. Of course, the pandemic had uh, a lot of negatives attached to it, but there, there were also some positives, things that came out that were actually pretty valuable that we weren't paying much attention to as a culture before that. Um, one of which was it was a forced savings program because nobody could go anywhere. They were in lockdown. So you couldn't go out and you can, couldn't spend that extra money on ABC. It was just it, the, the option wasn't available. Uh, and it, I, in my own experience, it led to, you, you, you mentioned, uh, that you, you can't, you know, pay off a pile of debt in 90 days. It's going to take some time to do it. Well, it had taken me quite a few years. The pandemic came along and I paid off the rest of it. And I couldn't understand how I did it because the income went down, but we paid it off faster. And I said, what? Wait a minute. How is that possible? Well, I went over my books. I said, Oh, discretionary money disappeared. There was no discretionary spending. Of course I was able to pay it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was kind of a forced savings program. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that when you said that. <laughs> yeah. 
Canada. I'm also from Canada. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm from Calgary. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're pretty close. Are you still in Canada? You are still in Ontario? Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm in London, Ontario. Okay. About two hours from Detroit. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's cold, cold here. <laughs> <laughs> kind of goes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Do you do, like, do you work with people all over the States or just in Canada? Or just kind of, how do you... So because it's online, it's, it's a little bit of, of everything, but I do do a lot more people like in the, the Eastern time zone and okay. in, uh, in, uh, Ontario, uh, so a few people in my city even. So okay. it, it just depends and it fluctuates. Some, sometimes, uh, I have a lot of clients. Sometimes it's not too many. Mm-hmm. But it fluctuates. Don't you find that it's like you get what you can handle at the time? Like sometimes I'll be moving around long, really slow. I'll be like, oh, I could be doing more. And then I'm like, ah, no, that's my opportunity (laughs) to pause and reflect. And this is, you know, it's a totally different time. And then when things pick up, I just, I keep going with, with the flow of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do my mind like in seasons. So Mm -hmm. I always know that the spring is when it gets busy, spring Mm -hmm. and summer. And then by, by the fall. It starts to slow down, and then I try not to do too much in the winter. So the winter is where I, I do, like, my content and things like this, do interviews and and prepare for the next spring. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. That, that, that's that's riding the the waves downriver and just letting, letting the river take you rather than trying to maneuver the boat anywhere. Well, and watching the seasons change, like you literally yeah. have seasons of your business change, which yeah. is so cool. Yeah. And you get the energy from the seasons. I, I find like there's always a lot of energy in the spring and summer and excitement. Yeah. And uh, for what I'm doing, people are just more wanting to take on their challenges and do things like that. But by the fall, people are kind of winding down in the winter. It's just uh, <laughs> nobody wants to. They don't want to. They want to do their New Year's uh, resolutions, but they don't actually want to dive in and and do stuff. They they need a break. So I say, oh, that's great. I can take a break too. Do you think with the sorry? Do you think with like the changing seasons and there being different energies, that's kind of just related to the collective consciousness? I I think if people tune into it more, then I I do think it would be a better flow because um you know it's it the spring that's where where everything comes to life. So that's that's kind of when you're birthing your your manifestation. By the the fall, it's like you've you've finished your manifestation, and then the the winter time is where you should re- reflect and start planning on your next manifestation. And I, I think if you get in, get into that flow, it's a nice rhythm. It really works, especially for Northern Hemisphere. It really works well with how everything works here. Yeah, I like that. I never thought of it that way, but that's a that's a good way to think of it. I'll definitely keep that in consideration for sure. Right. Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're reminding me of the conversation we had uh, shortly after the first of the year talking about resolutions, New Year's resolutions. And the, the consensus of the panel that day was don't bother making resolutions <laughs> because you, because nobody ever keeps them anyway. Yeah. And nobody ever, you know, they, they give up on them so, so quickly. So when, when you mentioned resolutions, I thought of that and, that, and it made me wonder what, what's your take on resolutions? How do you, how do you treat the whole idea of New Year's resolutions or do you even address it at all? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't do them because like, like I said, like I use, I use the first couple of months of the year to really plan out what I want to do for the, basically by the end of the first quarter of the year. So by March. I really want to start having those seeds being put into place. So if I'm doing any type of resolution, it would really start basically in March. Okay. And I would focus from March till, till November, but then by the end of November, whatever I was doing, I want that to be finished. So I have time to, to rejuvenate and start focusing on the next thing I want to do. So your focus is kind of, kind of in hibernation then during the winter. Yeah. Yeah, but I find them really creative in the wintertime, so I do my creativity stuff in the winter, and yeah. that kind of helps me to prepare for, because sometimes when you're really busy, you don't have time to be creative with um, a lot of the, the the big things. You can do small things, but 
like if all the books that I, I wrote, I wrote quite a few books. They're, they're always done in, in the, uh, you know, January, February, because I don't do really anything outside. I don't like to be outside in the cold. So I stay inside. I do my inside stuff. And then as soon as the, win- the winter is finished, then I'm outside. I'm doing all kinds of things. Too busy to re- to rewriting books. <laughs> <laughs> so you say on your book here, I'm just looking, The Unfair Advantage. So how to make the unfair advantage work for you. So what do you mean by that, the unfair advantage? And like- so there's like uh, polarities and everything. There's contrast and everything. So for anyone that is at a, a, a you know, bad situation, there's always someone that has a good situation. So I always say, you know, let's focus on whatever you want to do is a 50-50 chance that it could work out great for you or it could work out really bad for you. Let's just focus on the 50-50 chance. It's going to work out really great for you. Let's focus on the best outcome. And then let's look at what advantages do you have and what are hidden opportunities that you can find in you know, something like, say, new technology. A lot of people don't want to learn new technology because they got to learn something new. But if you jump into learning that new technology, now you can be the person that can help other people to learn it and learn it faster because you figured it out. So that's an, an unfair advantage because now you know how to use this thing where other people are like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, it's, I don't, I don't want to know how to do autocorrect. I don't, I don't want to know how to, how to use the, the keyboard. I'm going to stick to the typewriter. Well, everybody that learned how to use the keyboard. Now they're teaching people how to, right. How to use a keyboard, things like that. So it's, there's, there's hidden advantages in everything. It's not taking advantage of somebody. That's not what it means. What it means is learning how to, you know, find the advantages for yourself. And then in the book, I give you exercises on how to, how to be able to be in service of others, be in service of others by learning these, these advantages and then helping people to get to where you are. Mm. And where does your wife's part come in? Like with the, um, with the spiritual end of things, like, that's my mom. Oh, your mom. I'm sorry. Oh, my yeah. <laughs> I meant to say your mom. I'm sorry. But um, so like, how did it all like come about? Like, what did she say? Or what did you say? Or how did, like, I know you're talking a little bit about that at the beginning, but I just yeah. want to go into more detail about that. So because like she was very much into like the, the spiritual teachers of the law of attraction and, and the feeling and also, you know, that, that feeling of, if something bad happens to you, you attracted it to yourself. Uh-huh. And my mindset was, well, if something bad happened to me, like if, if an athlete breaks their leg, they don't sit there and say, well, why did this happen to me? Why did I attract breaking my leg? <laughs> all they all they focus on is, how do I fix my leg and rehab so I can get back to doing the things I love doing? Okay. So we have that contrast, but it really worked well because she could explain the spiritual side and then I could explain the practical, logical way to actually use it. And to use it to, you know, make your life better, to be able to make more money, to be able to do the things that you like to do, you know, take on your personal impossibles. So we had that, that blend of, of she would cover the spiritual stuff. I, I kind of, I mean, I'm into it more, but I, you know, they had to kind of drag me toward that because (laughs) it just wasn't, it wasn't resonating with me as much as, as just, okay, this is what I want to do. How do I do it? Oh, I start focusing on things. And then when I get these intuitions that, Hey, I should do this now. I do it. That's, that's kind of how I use the spirituality. It's like when I get prompted, I get an idea pops into my head. I always say your idea, your ideas find you for a reason. You're supposed to develop them and do something with them and then see where it leads you. And it might lead you to something completely different, or it might lead you to a better thing in that direction that you were trying to do. But if you ignore your ideas, and then you say, oh, well, this stuff doesn't work. It's like, well, you had all these ideas that you didn't use. Of course it didn't work. Right. How was it growing up with a mom like that? It, it was it was hard because, uh, you know, at, at that point, the like I'm just a practical, hey, this is what we do, logic, logic, logic. And, and she's not that way. So, you know, you kind of clash a little bit. Um, but for the most part, we, you know, we got along it because she got into it. By the time she got into it, I had already, I was already living on my, my own or living with my wife. And so it was, it wasn't like I was like a teenager or anything like that. Okay. I don't think I would have been able to do this stuff if I was a teenager, even yeah. the, 
the uh, the law of attraction. I don't think I would have listened to it if I was a teenager. That it would just be too way out there for me. Yeah, yeah. And kids are all over the place. Teenagers are all over the place with their hormones. Let alone, you know, it's being pulled in a million different directions. So yeah. trying to focus on one thing might not really work too well. Well, it depends yeah. on your background. I mean, yeah. um, I think about uh, my friend Joel Elston, who was one of my earliest co-hosts. Um, his background is that he uh, was addicted to gambling, and and it led to some pretty dire consequences for himself. But it also led him to a career as a first as a therapist, and then as a life coach, where he was able to help other people who had similar situations and and they knew that he could help them because he was like them they recognized the pattern in him well he was also ending up helping uh young boys in particular who were stuck in the foster care system and he ended up getting the ones who were the hard cases the ones that they couldn't adopt and they were always in trouble and they were you know the the caseworkers were pulling their hair out trying to figure out what to do with them and and Joel would meet with them and these kids, because of their situation, because of where they were, they were ready for law of attraction. So he'd, he'd explain it to them, bang, they get it just like that and start applying it. Mm-hmm. So, so again, it depends what, where the kid's coming from. You know, what, what's their, their, if, if they're, if they're going through something painful enough, they're actually really good at focusing. And, and yeah. anyone who doubts that, consider how many people are diagnosed as ADHD. ADHD is another term for really good at focusing on something that the teacher doesn't want you to focus on. Yeah, <laughs> I agree because I I think that like, you really have to go through something before the law of attraction makes sense. So if you haven't really done anything or really gone through any adversity, if if everything's really well for you, you don't know what it's like to not have things go well. So you have to have that contrast first before you can appreciate you know things going well, and then then the law of attraction starts to make sense. It's like oh, I understand now if I focus. I can actually get better results. I got to celebrate those and focus on having better results. Joel has told a story a number of occasions uh, about somebody who who we have codenamed Marcus. It's not his real name, but mm-hmm. he was one of the most maladjusted kids that you'll ever hear about. He was, I think, about eight or nine when Joel met him. Um, he was in trouble everywhere. He did terribly at school. I, he was a menace in any foster home he was in. There, there, he, he was on something like 15, 18 medications. I mean, it, it, it was just a nightmare. Joel had one session with a kid and the kid just took over his own life. He fired his therapist. He fired his psychiatrist. <laughs> he just like, whoa, the whole thing is just shifting. He went to his foster mom, apologized for his behavior, went to his teacher, apologized for his behavior all on his own. I mean, nobody, nobody was prompting him, but just because he had been shown where he had power in his own life that he didn't know about. Wow. Yeah. I mean, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you're ready, the teacher shows up, right? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Joel has been fortunate enough to be a witness to a whole bunch of them. He he has, uh, among other things, he, one of his greatest accomplishments is that he's taken these boys who are considered unadoptable, and he has found forever homes for 43 of them. Wow. Oh. And and to, to kind of underscore how important that is, if a kid goes through the foster care system and ends up unadopted by the time he's 18, it's almost 100% guaranteed he'll either be dead or in prison by 25. Wow. So saving these kids and getting them adopted th- th- was literally saving their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you work with any kids? Or... Uh, just my own. <laughs> How old are your kids? So my uh, youngest is 13. My oldest is 26. And, and do, four. And do, are they really into, like, what you're talking about? Even what your your mom talks about? Like, Not mind? really. So my my uh, older daughter, she's 21. She's, yeah. she's, she relates to it. Um, yeah. My My son, who's 16, He's he's more into like the the religion church stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, my oldest son he's a in engineering, so he's not really uh, not really into this stuff at all. Yeah, yeah. But he's really that like super focused, logical, like you were. Yeah. Right. And are but yeah. then you got that nice mix with what your mom's doing too. Yeah. They tap you into your instinct, so you can feel guided beyond something beyond the intellect. 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. That greater force, which it ties into religion too. Mm-hmm. Like with what your other son's doing, right? So yeah. whether we feel like we're being guided by a God out there or God within, that's what instinct is anyways. Mm-hmm. It's that, that inner knowing and that divine guidance, right? So yeah. 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 So I wrote this stuff for them for when they're older so that, uh, cause I, I feel like when you're, by the time you're in your 29, 30, you start to really, uh, slow down on all your, your crazy, uh, you know, fun, fun activities and start really thinking about, okay, now what is it I'm supposed to be doing? Like, uh, you know, why am I here? What's in my direction? And is there more than just money and work? what else is there in life right so Mm -hmm. i wrote that so they can kind of help them tap into what more there is and what what better things that you can do or how you can have a a better life a more fulfilling life by doing things that you know help other people as well as yourself Mm -hmm. yeah sorry you go ahead no no kind of like um I don't go to AA, but my, my mom's husband, he's passed now, but he was a drug and alcohol addictions counselor for years. And he always said like in AA, like when you sponsor people because to help people helps you. Right. So yeah. it's, uh, it's a, it's that selfless act actually is selfful. Right. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people that a lot. You, know, yeah. like you, you feel really good when you help someone. So it's, it's, it's a selfish act, but it feels like you're not being selfish as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. What I was, that's what I was going to point to. That everybody who appears on this program in one way or another is a giver. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be on the program. They, they wouldn't be into finding some way to reach out to either help somebody with a service or, or just share some ideas or publish a book or whatever because they want to help people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very specific kind of person who wants to be that kind of a giver. It usually is somebody who's been through something challenging themselves, often a, a crash and burn situation, and they learn something from it. And they said, wow, everybody's got to know this. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, I, both, I, I, as I'm saying that both of you, your light, your face is just lit up. <laughs> I will not disagree. <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of different medical podcasts throughout the day. I don't know. I, I love listening to that stuff and always keep learning and evolving and to not, not just for me, but if I find a gold nugget in anything, I'll make sure I copy and paste the video and, and not just send it to my clients, like do this or, you know, but to my friends, to my family, to everybody, like you're saying, Walt, you just want what works for everybody. And you can't, you can only, what is the saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So you, you put it out there and then you got to let it go because you don't want to push people to do anything. I always just sprinkle things out, you know, and uh, if people take a hold of it, great. It means that they're ready to take a hold of it. If they don't, they're not ready. And maybe there's a different time that they will be ready. Yeah. yeah the, the variation on that is the variation is that uh, you, you can lead a person to new ideas, but you can't make them think. Yes. Ain't that the truth? Did you ever get in a situation like I used to get into this before where you see somebody doing something and you want to give them the solution? Yes. And then, then you don't understand why they're not taking that solution? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right? It digs that feeling up in you and then you have to go, oh, I've let that go. Yeah. 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 This is not, this is not my, my position to push, right? Yeah. 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 It took me okay. a while to really realize that, oh, they're, they're not ready. So it's not, not that they don't want it. They're just not ready. They, mm-hmm. they haven't experienced enough stuff. So me jumping in and trying to solve their problem for them when they didn't ask for that solution is not going to help anything. You know, and I tell a lot of my clients too, like we get bombarded with programming, our parents programming, our ancestral script being the DNA scripts, programming, kids at school, teachers, everybody, we get bombarded with that programming. And so oftentimes um, I'll tell my clients when they're coming to me, I'll say, listen, a lot of the stuff that you were doing in the past may not have worked for you then. But once we start moving, peeling back some of these layers of programming, right, which is both what you and I are doing, you're doing it really on this mental level through the psychological talking and so on. I'm doing it more on the energetic level. But once we start to peel back those layers, 
it actually deactivates the bombardment of all this programming. So information tends to sit on the surface layer of our mental bodies. And the more we peel back, the more that other information sinks in. So I'll be working with clients for a period of time and they'll say, you know, I went to school for 10 years. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about when anybody had asked me. I just studied it and memorized it, but I didn't know it. And then since working with you, I feel like I know what I'm talking about now. Like I finally know what I'm talking about. And I go, yeah, that's because the programming's not in the way. Now it's sunk in, so to speak, into a knowing. It's not just an intellectual understanding. Like the clients come to me and they say, I tell them something. They go, yeah, 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 I know that. And they go, do you though? <laughs> because if you did, you wouldn't be coming to me. So it's still sitting on the surface layer of your skin. We've got to do a little bit of work so that it does sink into a knowing, you know, into an understanding. And oftentimes the more layers we peel back, see the information, um, as those layers peel back, the information from within us goes out through the electromagnetic field, affects the quantum field, and then the environment arranges for us the experience for what it is that we've learned in the past to become a knowing. Like we need that experience to know something. We can't just hear it or read it or study it. That would be like a doctor going to school, reading a bunch of books on how to perform surgery. But he doesn't know how to perform the surgery until he does the actual act, right? And so that's everything that's happening on that mental body. It is the intangible. The intangible affects and creates matter. It makes the physical reality. So yeah, what happens on that inside is arranged for us to become to become a knowing from within us, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I tell people all the time, like you have your your limits are for a reason; they're to protect you, mm-hmm. protect you from from fear and from messing up and and making mistakes until you learn uh, how to do things, and then you can start taking away some of those limits. And the mm-hmm. more the more you learn, the less those limits apply. So as you peel away those limits now, because you're not, you're not limitless, but you become limitless by slowly, you know, learning and then being able to shed some of those limits that were there to protect you. But now you don't need protection from that. Cause now you know how to, how to handle that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What, like you said at the beginning, just baby steps. Yeah. So it's not like jumping head first in and a total shock to the system. Like, here, let's peel back a little layer here. So there's one toe in the water and another layer. Oh, there's another toe. And so that it's not so shocking to jump in. Yeah. Get the whole body wet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sam, I, I need, I need to go to Sam for a minute here because Sam, Sam's, well, I got, first of all, I got to give Sam credit. He jumped in. He doesn't often do that. And he jumped in earlier. So well done yes. on that, Sam. That was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and he's celebrating it. I love it. Uh, but but as you're listening to what Jennifer and WT are talking about here, and I think you agree that it's all really great stuff. Does anything particular come to your mind, like from your own experience? Stuff maybe that you peeled away a layer and you got something out of it, or does, does it stimulate anything in your in your memories? Definitely, like going back and reaching back into your past and kind of finding finding like things that might trigger you, and then kind of finding why they trigger you and then kind of finding appreciation for it and realizing like how it served you going forward. Um, so that's definitely a thing and kind of help kind of just shedding that baggage so you can kind of rise up in your vibration more. Because, because it feels good or, or why does that resonate so much? Yeah, well definitely because it feels good, but also just cause it's conducive to like one's expansion and growth in, in their, in their well-being and vibration. Okay, which is a big deal for you. Yeah. I don't see how I wouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Sam's always really happy. Like, every time we get on here, like, and it's not just a smile putting on a happy face. Right. He's genuinely this, yeah, just emanates joy. I love that so much about you, Sam. Thank you. I think being here is also generally a good vibe for me, but... I think that is kind of, I'm naturally joyful. My mom, my mother was too. I think it might've come from her to an extent, but yeah. You yeah. Think the good stuff. That's good. Yeah. I guess good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So WT, let's uh, tie in a little bit more uh, about what it is that you do when you're helping people. So um, you described how you uh, will help people to whatever degree they need the help. If they just need one thing, then you're done. No problem. Uh, sometimes you, you, you go deeper with somebody depending on what they're, they're looking for. That's, you know, makes total sense. Um, but do you ever do anything that kind of takes you to a level you haven't been to before? Like, do, do you find yourself encountering a client who uh, has a particular kind of issue that you've never uh, dived into? And you said, well, okay, let's dive into that one together. And you're kind of learning as you go along. Actually, I, I don't because, so what happens is if I, if I run into someone and they have a lot of problems, I like to teach people things that I've already been through so that I'm actually okay. teaching them what I've done. So if I run into something and I don't have the experience in that, I have a lot of networks, so I'll recommend them to somebody. So like if it's like they got some real relationship stuff or they got some, you know, um, you know, inner healing they need to do, I'll recommend them to somebody that really specializes in that. Um, because, you know, I, I have my own stuff, but I don't have a lot of experience in that. So I really try to f- stay focused on the things that I've already done because I don't have to research it. I've already done it. So. It's like, hey, this is what I ran into. This is how I got over it. This is what you can do. Let's look at customizing that solution for you. But if it's something I haven't done, I I usually don't dive deep in into it and go down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I know it's a little different from a lot of people, but that's no, that's fine. How I, how I do it. Yeah, there's no wrong answer on that. I was just curious to know how you approach it. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. You, no, go ahead. Start. I, I was just going to ask you, Jennifer, how do you handle that? I was going to say, like, it's interesting because I was just thinking about that with a particular client the other day. Like, there was some things that are coming up with her that have never come up with another client. And she kind of keeps going back to the beginning of where we started and then comparing it. And and so it's just, I, I always remind myself, like, this is the exciting opportunity for me to dive into something different, something new, another layer. So I'm being challenged here, but challenge is the opportunity. Right. So each time something like that does come up, I get this flutter of nervousness initially. I'm like, okay. But then I know that that nervousness is actually anticipation about something new brewing on the way. Like now I actually have to go explore and uh, seek out uh, a different train of thought in my brain to create a different formula for this person. So I don't think there's any real walls that I've hit with anybody yet, like how you're saying the same thing, right, Wayne? It's just you're 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 really seizing the opportunity to go in. And if you can't do something, then you just redirect them maybe to somebody that can, especially if it's something to do maybe more psychological or depression or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I really try to stick because a lot of my experiences with um career and, and you know entrepreneurism. And then using using confidence because I had to build up a lot of confidence even growing up. So I have a lot of experience with it building up confidence. So and I know everybody needs to build up confidence when they they try something new. But when you get into like other things, it's it's just something that I don't don't want to I don't want to get sidetracked. Um, I've gotten into things before where you get sidetracked and it's like you know once it's all done, it's like where am I? And how do I get back to what I was what I was doing? Because I'm I'm all completely in a different direction now. So right. I, I try to avoid that just for my own sanity. Right. Let's go, let's go down that path though. In the last few minutes that we have here, the the, the path of self confidence because like, that that's a big deal. That's one of my favorite big deals to talk about. And I'd like to know what your take is. So when you you, you described how you uh, worked on your own, how you developed your own over time, and how you help others with that, but dive into that. Go go down that rabbit hole just a little bit for us. Yeah, so I mean, when I was growing up, I was in a small town, and at the time, there wasn't a lot of my minorities, so I really stood out. And so, because of that, you know, I, I had to start to build up confidence because if I didn't, I was going to get squashed and crushed. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to like stand up for myself and be confident. I was a smaller guy at the time too, so I, I wasn't as uh, tall as most of my classmates growing up, uh, especially in grade school. So, so that kind of built up a, a toughness, but also started to build a, a confidence. And then because of that confidence, I was attracting people that 
wanted to learn more about me and hang out and be friends. So that helped me to start to use that, use what I had as a bridge to reach out to, to people and kind of get to know more different people. So like all the different type of people that were like in my, my area. So, so by doing that, I really started to get into the position where when I go to a, a job, working at a job, I would learn a lot of stuff in the job and then people would ask me questions and I would help them solve problems in the job so that they knew how to do the things too. And that, that that's how I became like a, a supervisor at the company. Cause I, I started getting initiated to, to move up just because I had that confidence in myself and the confidence in what I was doing. So it, it started from like grade school and I just kind of kept building it up and then the popularity helped. So that, that makes things easier because, uh, when people like you instead of not liking you, it makes it easier to build up your confidence as well. And then I just learned how to teach people how to be confident. So like I tell people all the time, like if you're in a, in a line at the store, just say hi to somebody. And a lot, a lot of times people will say hi back and they might even start strike up a conversation, but to be able to say hi to somebody, it takes a lot of confidence. But if you practice that, you're going to start to build up your confidence. Jennifer is just lighting up again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it also makes me think too, like, yeah, that just that confidence level to, to want to connect and why don't we want to connect because of the disconnect from within us. But the way that we become connected is to move through that veil of fear, take the plunge, like just the simple, hello, hi, how are you? <laughs> you know, opens up a, a doorway in you that, that takes down some of the armor and then you just start feeling more connected. I think the more that we do that, the more we just feel, we, the less guarded we are when we're walking around. Because if you think about it, when we're guarded or we're feeling defensive when we go out, it's actually an attack mode. It's like a porcupine. How does a porcupine defend itself? It retracts its quills. So it's an attack mode, right? So just doing those one little things every now and again, takes down one quill, another quill, another quill until eventually you're walking around and then you're, you're also realizing opportunity comes your way a lot easier when your quills aren't up, when you're not as guarded and defensive, that law of attraction probably works a hundred million times better. Uh, <laughs> right. My, uh, my son, he went to uh, school. So he's at a dorm and yeah. the first few weeks he was lonely. And I said, how can you be lonely? You have like all these, these kids from everywhere all on your floor. He says, well, nobody talks to each other. I said, well, that's what I told him. Start saying hi to people. And within a week, he was hanging out with them at their, they had a little common area and he was hanging out with them in the common area. And all of a sudden he had a group of friends and he said, well, thanks dad. That really worked. I said, mm -hmm. do it all the time. <laughs> Love that. So good. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Hey, WT, this has been really a wonderful conversation. We're so glad you took the time to join us, but you got to tell people, how they can find you. Cause I mean, if somebody does want to work with you right now, it's like, okay, where do I find them? <laughs> so I have a website, uh, mindset for success training.com. And on that website, I purposely put a lot of free stuff, a lot of, uh, free trainings, free advice. Um, you can download the, the book, the unfair advantage, mm -hmm. and then, uh, you can, you can fill out the form if you want to get in contact and, uh, you know, do a video call, but you have to be able to do a video call. If you if you don't have the confidence to do a video call, then it's not going to work because I'm going to coach you through video. So you have to be confident enough to do the video call, and that I'll I'll help you um, be able to you know move in the direction of your dreams and achieve your personal impossibles. All right, I love that. And one final thing I need to to mention too, uh, which I'm making a practice to mention with all of our guests, uh, like so many, you are a giver, and givers give continuously. You do podcasts, you um, you write your books, you you're always putting ideas out and suggestions, and and just trying to help people in any way you can. And there are going to be many people who you'll never meet, you'll never see, who are getting from what you're putting out there. I think it's important to recognize that. So on behalf of those people, you'll never meet. You'll never see who you've helped along the way and who will, you will be continuing to help the way along the way. Thank you for what you've been doing and thank you for what you continue to do because it's very important. Yeah, thank you. Thank you too. And thank, thank you for doing this and being able to bring people on your show to be able to, to talk and discuss these things. And, you know, if you want to be on this show, just take that first step, 
don't be don't be afraid to go on a podcast. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, Jennifer can tell you she came on as a guest and look what happened. She became a co-host. I mean, yeah. wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So good. Cool stuff. Jennifer, you get the last word here. How do you summarize what it is that we were talking about today in a way that just puts a little bow on top? Well, it's all about shattering the veil of fear and taking that first step, calling Wayne, giving, sending him a message. That's your first step to success. That's a nice bow. I like that one. Wayne likes that one too. You can look at the smile on his face. High fives. <laughs> High fives all around. So, all right. Thank you very much. Thank you, podcast listeners everywhere. We will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.